so yeah, fuck 2020. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't really know what else to say at this point. Um, like, wow, this year just sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're recording this. This is on the 30th. So this is, what, uh, two days after the announcement of Chadwick Boseman's death. Yep. Um, which is honestly just like I I was in the middle of watching this movie like when I saw it and like literally had to stop and like start again like on Saturday because um it just like completely derailed me and um you know I'm not really like you know super you know invested in like celebrity or you know I I just I don't really, you know, like get like really emotional over like celebrity deaths. Like, you know, I can definitely recognize that, you know, for the people that, you know, knew them and their families, like that there's a lot going on and, you know, a lot of, you know, just kind of like general compassion. But um yeah, Chadwick Boseman was just like, you know, we, you know, Black Panther in and of itself um was just kind of a cultural moment. And was such a big, uh, such a big influence and had such a great impact for like me personally, like as a black person, you know, who's also been really uh, into comic books for so long. And like that, like Chadwick Boseman, you know, Chichi Devane, Naya Rivera, Mm -hmm. like John Lewis, Mm -hmm. like there's just been like so much like black death like in 2020 and on top of like that with like the whole coronavirus and you know that disproportionately affecting you know black and brown people specifically because they're the ones who are on the front lines of working in like service and uh like public facing jobs and considered essential workers Mm -hmm. uh and so it's all just been so (laughs) exhausting so as you know much as i would have like like to just like start this episode off with something cheery. I just, I'm like, ah, fuck it. (laughs) I just really, I'm just like, I, I am just like, so just exhausted from this year. Like as a black queer person, like this, this whole like thing has just been like, just like an extra toll on top of everything else that's already going on on top of, uh, you know, what's still to come. Like, you know, we've still got a whole, you know, election cycle to go through (laughs) months of like fucking campaigning and you know um, and then you know climate crisis coming upon us yeah and you know i'm not gonna tell anybody what to do like i'm personally not really excited about either candidate and like so i don't fault anyone one way or the other for you know their choice you know to do or not do whatever they feel is necessary and um so yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, kind of feel bad, but at the same time, like, um, you know, as a black person living in America, uh, I completely and fully understand the complete and total disillusionment with the systems in place and how, you know, neither party really serves us <laughs> in any meaningful way. And so um, as much as I uh, understand the, you know, kind of uh, putting a Band-Aid on the wound, you know. Um, I also get that there are people out there who um, 
just are completely fucking over it. I understand. I understand. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you're not going to get a preachy, you know, go vote thing for me. um, Not me either. Um, but yeah, um, I guess, uh, we can talk about, um, you know, a twisted world of, uh, disillusionment (laughs) (laughs) transferring into, yeah, transferring into our movie for the day. Uh, the movie that, uh, ruined a thousand childhoods, uh, returned to Oz. Um, so yeah, we are joined today by our friend Kate. Uh, so Kate is a Denver music local. Like she, uh, oh, I'm sorry. You use she pronouns, Kate? Yeah, she or they. I'm a good person to throw around they pronouns with if you're trying to practice. Right on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Kate is a musician uh, in a band called Church Fire. Uh, you know, she would like a disclaimer that this is not a religious band. Not a religious uh, band. So <laughs> <laughs> any churches out there that, uh, you know, are, you know, seeking out their services, you know, will be disappointed, um, to say the least. But um, <laughs> she is also the, uh, you know, new sound producer for our podcast, which is freaking Thank awesome. Thank you. Um, oh, because it's my pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because Kate's badass and uh, and is a self-proclaimed sound bitch. So, um, but yeah, she also um, edits for a podcast called Bitches on Comics, um, which is a great podcast that is uh, focused on uh, access and inclusion of like LGBTQ and women in comics, which uh, is definitely needed. Um, We definitely need those voices. We definitely need those people um, who, like myself, are, you know, fans of comics. And, oh, God, I just remember the New Mutants. Oh. Um, Yeah, this is why we need need those people. Yeah, um, you know, not just reading comics, but actually, like, writing them, you know, drawing them. All of these things, uh, coloring them, you know, all of these things that critiquing um, them, <laughs> critiquing are, them, exactly. Yeah, yeah. taken for granted, and uh, you know, very often uh, end up becoming coming off as insensitive, or uh, you know, sometimes just downright, you know, racist, homophobic, transphobic, all of those things. So, mm-hmm. um, getting those people and those voices is uh, is a really important thing. So, um, go check out bitches on comics. Check out that podcast. Um, and you're also working on an upcoming audio drama horror podcast. Are you working on music for that? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm working on some of the music, some of the sound effects, and I'll be doing the editing as well. So that'll be a challenge. It's called, uh, it's going to be called Tales from the Sapphire Bay Hotel. And I'm working on it with the two people that I work on Bitches on Comics with, um, and a bunch of new actors. It's going to be really different (laughs) i think from what i'm used to that sounds dope um so yeah we're glad to have kate with us today uh glad to be here yeah they're the one who suggested this movie so um, (laughs) oh sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) i was like we should rewatch this movie right i mean i haven't seen it in a while honestly i'm glad that i did like um we can get into it i guess we'll just dig right in um so yeah essentially Return to Oz is the story of, it's the sequel to the original. It takes place six months after 
Although somehow Dorothy has, you know, de-aged by, by like, a decade. A, like, yeah, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in this movie, Dorothy is played by a nine-year-old Feruza Balk. And I'm not sure how old Judy Garland was at the time. She was like 20. Yeah, I was like, yeah. she was definitely older than nine. <laughs> so it's, yeah, that was already like an interesting start to this of like remembering that like oh yeah like she was tiny and Judy Garland was 17 apparently Uh, (laughs) thank you thank you for looking that up (laughs) uh so yeah Auntie M and Uncle Buck I don't know (laughs) Bob I don't remember (laughs) uh are concerned for Dorothy because it's been six months since the tornado and uh she's been obsessed with talking about this fantasy world of Oz and of course they feel that the only reasonable thing to do is to take her to a doctor to go get electroshock like therapy. therapy I know oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what a dark beginning to this story I mean it seems like this movie is more based off of the books yes. in a way than Wizard of Oz was uh, in some ways but like there's no mention of electroshock therapy definitely anywhere <laughs> in the novels. Yeah, this opening 15 minutes of this movie is so grim, right? If this is like, it's 1900, or it's, you know, the fall of 1899, and we're about to go into the new century, the dawn of a new age. This dawn of a new age is super fucking grim. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it was yeah. like 1899, and all of the, you know things that go along with that. Like I, I, and I was wondering, I don't know, we can get to it at the end, but I wonder, like, I was like, is this like a legit doctor is cause it feels like, yeah. um, it's that got I that mean, like pseudoscience is something that has been like used legitimately. Like, it, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily legitimate, but it was something that was like considered to be like a real thing that oh, yeah. <laughs> worked for anything from, uh, you know, women talking too loud to, uh, you know, being a flaming homosexual, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like all, all of these things, urges. yeah, <laughs> were considered, you know, reasonable things because, you know, the brain is just a machine and it runs on electrical yep. impulses. So if we <laughs> yeah. charge more electricity into it or we can pull electricity out of it, then, uh, we can, uh, we can alter the, the brain waves and make people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, compliant with you know the societal norms (laughs) it was like totally a real thing people thought it was a miracle cure they're like wow like before this you know i had this schizophrenic like you know relative they didn't know what that was at the time but they were like just hook them up to this device that'll electrocute them and then they're cured it's like horrible it's absolutely sad yeah, and just beginning a children's movie with a Dorothy who, like, may or may not have PTSD, what we call PTSD right. now, right? <laughs> it's, it's kind of a dark place to begin, like, the moment the first, like, because I haven't seen this since it came out in the theaters. Like, that's how long it's been. I saw it when I was about Dorothy's age. I was probably, like, eight when I saw it. So I was the same age as a character. and. Man, the violins that open this movie are so anxious sounding, yeah. <laughs> right? And and that as soon as Auntie M came on screen, I was like, wait a minute, I know that actress and I'm terrified of her. Why? 
why, so I had to look it up, but she plays the mom in the movie Carrie, right? She oh, is oh the God. abusive, oh. hyper-religious zealot mom, so that casting is really weird. Like, this is going to be a topsy-turvy, terrifying yeah. world. She's also like Catherine Martell in Twin Peaks, which is yes. not anywhere from, but yes. like... Piper Laurie in general is just, I mean, she's not supposed to be a bad guy in this movie, really. She's not supposed to be like an antagonist, but she is still scary. Yeah, she's not safe. Is there something unsafe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like really every adult in this movie, outside of like her uncle, who is pretty much like Absent. non-existent <laughs> yep. for the entire first part of the movie, <laughs> um, is, yeah, just kind of this like domineering, like authority figure and... In my opinion, the worst thing that could possibly be going on is like, yeah, a young girl was traumatized by uh, experience that literally like, destroyed her home and is using her imagination to cope with it. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. And, and so it's like, I guess we just got to like, you know, electroshock every child that has an imaginary friend because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's wrong with them? Unacceptable way to uh, escape. And oh gosh, I'm skipping in here, but when they bring her to the doctor, right? Everything about that doctor is terrifying from like the ticking grandfather clock to like the squeaky wheels in the medical bed. To, oh, like, all the wheels in this movie are super squeaky. Are, like nobody yeah. greases their wheels in this no. movie. Oh, yeah, the wheelers. Oh, <laughs> the God. wheelers that come back later. The fact that she's kind of sadly combing her pumpkin head oh my god <laughs> right? oh, it's yeah. so sad that seems like oh oh i just realized that who, like that's who the wheelers are they're yeah. like the the attendants at like the yeah. uh the the facility who are like wheeling her to yeah. the electroshock room exactly i, I kind yeah. of like placed everyone except for like who the wheelers were until you said like the squeaky wheel thing. Yep. <laughs> exactly yep and that like there's something going on with her voice even before she gets to the, I don't know what you'd call it, like Santorum or what, Santorium? Sanitarium. Sanitarium, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Santorum is a different word. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but like, there's also something going on with Dorothy's voice where it has like this like weird, like sharp, reflective quality. You know, they're like filming in the big prairies of Kansas, but it sounds like it's like bouncing off the walls and that comes back later. Like everything they kind of smartly set up in this terrifying. I mean, I would want to escape into imagination if I was in any of these places too. Right. <laughs> and like, it's definitely not Kansas, right? This looks more like... Uh, English Moors. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Yeah, we're in like Pride and Prejudice land instead yep. of like rural Kansas. But anyway, yeah. And I one of the things that like stood out was uh, even I guess kind of retconning the Tin Man story for this yep. movie was <laughs> like I was like Jesus, that's a dark backstory. It's like he like lost his leg and then it was replaced with a metal leg. And then a witch enchanted his axe to make him cut off parts of his body and replace them with tin. It's just like, yeah, he's what the, the fuck? Yeah, he's the tin woodsman from the books and not mm -hmm. the like sweet singing tinsman from the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Tin man tin from man, the movie. Yeah. The character looks exactly like the illustrations in yeah. the old Frank Bone books too and the scarecrow, which... Uh, I don't like this new scarecrow. Yeah, this scarecrow. Like Can this we we scarecrow? will get to the scarecrow. Okay, yeah, let's get to the scarecrow later. <laughs> but the idea that the the Tin Woodsman hacked himself to pieces, right? That it, it's a dark place to begin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and so much of this movie was, I feel like I repressed it. (laughs) (laughs) And watching this, it was like, I could kind of see, it was like a premonition. I could see like three minutes ahead and be like, oh, right. That's, this thing's coming up. That thing is about to happen. Oh my God, that thing. Like the, uh, the electro machine, the the face on it. Like I vividly remember like that, just like being terrified of it. All of it, it was just like this one long, like fever dream that I like had when I was, you know, eight or nine and just forgot about and like everything just came bubbling back up as I was watching this movie. You're having your revisiting (laughs) of childhood trauma while you're watching it. (laughs) Just like Dorothy. (laughs) Yeah. And so we're, we're introduced to, you know, the doctor here who has this like, uh, it's the voice of like that, you know, the sociopath who's (laughs) trying to like lower your defenses. It's like that really like, you know, kind of saccharine voice of, oh, yes, oh, no need to worry. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really just weird and creepy, but it's supposed to, like, try and be disarming. Uh, and then, of course, we have a woman with sharp features and high shoulder pads. And high shoulder pads. Like, never a good person. <laughs> but never a good person in a movie. <laughs> That's Miss Wilson. <laughs> Yeah, it's the 80s plus, like, taking that Victorian silhouette and going crazy with it. We're going to go real big. (laughs) The fabric in that dress, too, is like it swishes down the hallway. It's like... It makes noise. All of the costumes make noise. Oh, it's so unnerving. The costumes in this... Okay, the costumes are a whole other topic in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Auntie M didn't even, like stay and check out the facilities or anything. She was just like, cool, got to get back to Uncle Ben by uh, <laughs> sundown. Yeah, so have a good one. Just like barely even like got in the door. She's like, all right, bye now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, of course, like, you know, there's like the nice little neat lobby. But then as soon as they start going back, it's like all of the long hallways and uh, you know, there's someone screaming off in the distance. Mm. Uh, she like gets into a room and it's literally just like a, uh, you know, empty walls and like, like exposed, like brick and shit. Yeah. Just institutional, like- <laughs> institutional, <laughs> <Yeah>. institutional. Yep. <laughs> it is just terrifying. I think that when um, the doctors, um, showing the um, machine off and like, look, it has a face. And they have all these close-ups on the main switch. And I love this production design detail. That main switch is written, is engraved in the metal in cursive, right? That that's such yeah. a beautiful period detail <laughs> and somehow terrifying, right? Someone's <laughs> handwriting in metal that this is your main switch to <laughs> give you a quote-unquote therapy. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's some cool detail work in this movie. Um, like that key, though. I mean, did you see an Oz in that key? It was just like it's an a abstracted Oz. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> she convinces herself to see it because she wants to so bad. Yeah, it was really kind of just like the you know like the uh, like the no smoking sign signal. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. just like the oh, like the Cancel. circle with like the slash through it. Yeah, she's like, oh. Oz, yes, of course. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. And I love that detail because then when we see, you know, Ozma or the Queen of Oz later, it's that very recognizable O and overlapping a Z. But in the real mm-hmm. world, she's just seeing signs where maybe there aren't any. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
So when she sees the girl in the glass who brings her the pumpkin that she combs, <laughs> which, okay. <laughs> uh, that was that was weird. I, I combed many a thing that didn't have hair in it as a kid playing. I don't know if anyone else did, but that was definitely something <laughs> that I remember doing and lovingly, you know, combing things that are made of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I love how, uh, you know, kind of right off the bat, we get how, like, I guess, precocious Dorothy is in this movie. Because when Miss Wilson comes to take her to, you know, go to the actual... Would you like to go for a ride, Dorothy? (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, God. But I got the whole way on the buggy and didn't fall out. Lay down and strap in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's just, like, so just, like... Uh, she's always like just really like polite, but also just like asking like the questions that need to be asked. In yeah, <laughs> she because she's like, "May I sit up, please?" And she's like, "No." She's like, "Okay, well, like, why do you need to strap me in so you don't fall off?" I was like, "Well, I came all the way from the farm on the buggy and I didn't fall off." I'm just like, <laughs> what did your aunt tell you? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I I was watched uh, like a video of. Uh, Feruza, I think it was probably like maybe 10 years ago at this point, and it was an interview about this movie, and she was talking about how on set, you know, everyone just kind of treated her like another one of the actors. Oh, that's uh, cool. And I feel like that comes through in the movie just because she does just seem like, uh, I, I feel like that's a, a large part of it is Oz is kind of like the only place where she can feel like you know some sort of like power or control over you know the things that are going on uh or to actually like make change and yes so yes and have I, some agency it's only yeah. in oz yeah uh and so we get the electro shock therapy but it's uh interrupted by a lightning strike and uh as it is the girl from the mirror that we saw in a previous scene Comes out to, you know, take her away so that way they can escape uh, because there are, like, other patients who went through this therapy who uh, it didn't take, you know, didn't quite take. (laughs) And so they're (laughs) locked in the, like, below in the, quote, unquote, like, the dungeons. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's some line about it being the damaged people. The people they damaged are in the cellar. Like, yikes. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they pulled that line and like several others from like the TV version or something that was aired. Like oh. that was that did not make the cut because it was too fucking macabre, it's too scary. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it back, uh, I feel like it's still yes, it's creepy as hell. But I actually really like this. Yeah. I, I really like this movie. Um, I mean, and Me I and, like, there was like that whole thing of like the eighties. I feel like the like mid to late 80s to the early 90s, like there was just some obsession with like scaring the shit out of kids. Yes. Like, <laughs> there, it, it is a pretty like, good segue from the witches. Yeah, yes. yeah like yeah, the witches, like we, when we talked about, you know, like some of the Don Bluth movies, um, you know, even like Fantasia was like, mm-hmm. like weird and like, there's like some unsettling moments in that. 
like when like Mickey is like hacking up like the brushes, like the broom yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Sorcerer's Apprentice scene. I have a whole list of movies from the eighties to do <laughs> if you like this movie <laughs> or others. <laughs> Getting more and more obscure <laughs> because it's like a trope, right? And I love the idea that children would watch this movie, right? That it it does talk about something about the like how both the insecure and lack of agency children are often. Mm-hmm often experiencing right and so that in some ways it better reflects that childhood confusion of the world right or confusion about the adult world and like rules that you don't understand and like why is auntie i'm just leaving me here with the scary doctor in the machine (laughs) right that that as a kind of feeling um it's something that has been kind of sanitized out of a lot of kind of uh, craig as you're identifying like after the 90 you know kind of uh, 90s on movies right children's movies it's always like a happy place yeah i feel like there's there's kind of moving towards a, a decent balance between uh you know the like overly saccharine type of kids movies and just like going full mm-hmm. uh you know terrifying children <laughs> with uh you know i i feel like things like uh, you know, like Avatar, The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of the one that comes to mind, like off the top of my head. But yeah, things like in that realm of show where it gives kids like some sort of recognition as far as treating them like they understand, you know, mm-hmm. the world and like what's yeah. going on around them, uh, which, you know, for the most part, you know, a lot of kids do. And if you talk to them, you know, in a respectful and, you know, meaningful way, they can understand. It's, yeah. You don't have to yeah. talk down to them. Uh, and so uh, I feel like that that was like the 80s and 90s were like kind of this like swing to the other side of that of like, yeah, we're just going to like really just like <laughs> say, you know, get these kids like a dose of like, you know, the the darkness that exists in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you both think so. This movie definitely stuck with me as a kid and it's apparent why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I get I don't think I think I only saw the theater and then maybe once on like a Betamax rental. <laughs> that, that's not, I, but it stayed with me. Right. And yeah. uh, Craig, I didn't have the exact same like premonition three minutes beforehand but i'd be like oh i think i had a dream about the wheel yes so many yeah. dreams about this movie <laughs> definitely had a dream about the head room definitely had a dream yeah. about the ornament room mm. and i think probably had a dream about um like r- talking rock face people <laughs> oh right <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh we've been it's a half hour mark and we still haven't gotten to the oz <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is that's actually exactly where we are. So yep. yeah, as they are escaping, uh, you know, Dorothy and this as at this point unnamed girl um, uh, are running and they fall into the river, uh, and Miss Wilson actually seems like genuinely concerned. Like I, I feel like there yeah. there's kind of like this like stone face kind of like presence that she had, mm-hmm. um, but she like like seemed like legitimately concerned in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, like when they fell into the water <laughs> yeah. and I, I don't know, maybe it was just because like, Oh crap. Like if I lose these kids, then yeah, it could have also been for their safety. Yeah. Um, Cause we don't really get much from her in terms of um, other than like, kind of like stern, uh, like kind of nurse character. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I feel like because 
of, you know, the time, it was kind of like people, like they thought they were doing the right thing. Like they weren't like, really trying to be malicious with what they were doing, despite it being like a really fucked up thing. Like I still think that like for the most part, people thought that this was like something that was legitimately helping people. Um, yeah, there's no like <laughs> real indicator that she's a horrible person other than, the, you know, she just has no bedside manner. Yeah. <laughs> no way with children at all. And is costumed as a villain, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, they get, they uh, are washed away in the river. The little blonde girl disappears. She goes under the water and doesn't reemerge. And Dorothy we see her like floating in the middle of like, I guess one of those seas that's in Kansas. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And she wakes up and she's in the middle of like a puddle, which we find out is the deadly desert in which anyone who touches the sand turns to sand. Mm. Uh, And so she is also joined by a uh, chicken <laughs> from the farm <laughs> named Belina, who somehow, I guess we need an animal companion. So yep. <laughs> instead of so. Toto, the analog for Toto is Belina. Yeah. yeah. The wise cracking chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which like Toto couldn't talk in the first movie. Right. But Belina, who is also just an animal from the regular world, can talk in this one. So Yeah, and it's like a tip off to her that it's uh, she's in Oz, that they're in yeah. Oz. It's like, oh, you can talk. We must be in Oz. Yeah. Belina has some <laughs> wonderful line about like, oh, I can talk. How's my grammar? (laughs) (laughs) For chicken, not bad. Yep, for chicken, not bad. Yeah, and I love in that scene where um, then we start getting hints as she's kind of playing the floor is lava and walking on the rocks and not the Mm -hmm. sand um, that uh, we see the eyes that begin to follow her. And at least in that scene, I think in later scenes, it's all claymation. But in those scenes, the eyes are done using sand animation, which is such an awesome underutilized technique. Um, and so it's it's just done by moving granules of sand. And so that's what gives it that kind of terrifying, uh, like it, it moves in a way that feels unnatural as the eyes are watching her. And that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, I feel like the effects in this movie actually hold up like yes. pretty well. Yes. Um, and despite some interesting, uh, you know, costuming choices, as we'll <laughs> shortly get to with. Uh, the wheelers. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like th- this movie actually looks like, I feel like it looks good still. Like yeah. I really uh, enjoyed the, like, pr- like, you know, it's all physical for the most part, um, like the effects. Yeah. And yeah, they, they just, they look authentic. They look like true to like the time. And they also like, don't really feel like they've aged as much as, you know, like even watching, uh, you know, like the first like Iron Man movie. Yeah, <laughs> there are yeah. things that are just like ooh, early ooh, CGI. Okay. Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man looks like Gumby getting bounced around. <laughs> does, does Iron Man not have a skeleton? <laughs> like, yeah, the the use of they do matte paintings, they do 
you know, optical printing. They do a variation on green screen, which is probably blue screen, but they offset that by having in the scene where she's kind of falling in that cave. They cover her in fuchsia lighting to like cover up for the blue screen, which is so smart. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Gosh, I love that scene. Anyhow, sorry. So the practical effects are are lovely. I think I totally agree with you, Greg, that they just they hold up. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she arrives in what she thinks is going to be the beautiful, wonderful, you know, Emerald City, everyone's like, like the people in Pompeii who are covered by the, you know, um, uh, volcano and the ash, they're all frozen in time, which is deeply unnerving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then should we just jump to the wheelers? Can we, can we talk yeah. about the wheelers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First, the first thing we see, right, is this giant beware the wheelers sign. Like. If the wheelers are the only ones left, who wrote that? Because they- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, because wasn't everyone just like instantaneously turned to stone? Like, <laughs> who is bewaring the wheelers? <laughs> and also, like, I don't want to know who wrote it because they might be as scary as the wheelers. <laughs> right. So, yeah, as a kid, right, these are like the most terrifying things. Um Turns out it's just a bunch of really wackily dressed, uh, like upholstery wearing disco punk people with wheels on their feet with like really scary, like weird cyberpunk like masks on their tops of their heads. And apparently they skate around with their faces facing the ground. So their masks uh, look real, their quote unquote mask helmets look super scary. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that description. I love that description. I had written down 80s Venice Beach cast offs. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and honestly, it's like the methodology of their movement. It's like maybe just move to uneven ground. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> they seem to only be able to move on paved surfaces. So. Which seems like the worst type of way to get around in like a post-apocalyptic, like rubble-strewn city. It's like, let's put wheels on everything. Yeah. That'll that's make sense. Point. I don't know. I mean, I, we've got, you know, solar babies and yes. Starlight Express oh. that say different. So Yes, you are totally right. You are totally So everyone right. knows, yeah, wheels are the best way to get around. Apparently, yeah. I was like, maybe the wheels are so they don't touch the sand, but then how do they wheel on the sand? You know, yeah, and then they also hard. still turn to sand. When yes. <laughs> yeah, so these outfits, real quick, let's break down these freaking outfits. Oh, my yes. gosh. They're like... Coat and tails, basically, with bell bottoms, all made out of upholstery fabric. There's rhinestones. Like, it, people have, like, at least 10 different colors of fabric on Studs. any costume. Yeah. <laughs> Studs, these weird ropey things, like, hanging from every every surface. Um, that are teal. And they're, like, on stilts with wheels. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stilts with wheels. And so, similar to other characters here, they kind of move like a human should, but not quite. And that's what starts pushing into not quite full Uncanny Valley, but sort of getting there. The hyena laughs that they oh, have. this yeah. weird barks they do, yeah. like, to yeah. each other. That's the scariest thing for me. I remember as a kid, I was like, okay, these guys are just weird. But then they were like, they were like arr, arr. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that one, that one wheeler who was just like... I may not be on scene for very long, but I am going to chew every yes. little bit of it that I can. <laughs> like, I may not be here for long, but I am going to eat 
the entire scenery while I'm here. <laughs> With my Excuse. bright red eyeliner on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> King. <laughs> Craig, will you be a wheeler for Halloween? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I wanted to do that a few times. I just couldn't figure out the logistics. <laughs> right. Besides, you wouldn't be able to hold anything. You got to call the uh, Jim Henson company and yep. see what they did. Yep. <laughs> How do they put their eyeliner on? I guess it's pretty poorly applied. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they grow their eyeliner, right? Like how, to, right? It's all yeah. natural. It's, all it's natural. magic, you know. That's part of their genetic makeup now, too. Yeah, oh. right. That's just how their face Tigers is. have stripes. Yeah. Wheelers yeah. have eyeliner. <laughs> As a kid, I don't know if you all saw the sanitized version of the original Wizard of Oz on TV, but they would often cut out the flying monkey scene because it was mm. considered kind of too scary for children. So <laughs> I, yeah. So I feel like the wheelers was the like, we're reclaiming the flying monkeys in this case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, Dorothy's chased into a corner and meets TikTok, the robot. Um, sure. <laughs> TikTok, the robot who has three, things to wind. One is for thinking, one is for speaking, one is for movement. And so, of course, you know, throughout the movie, <laughs> yeah, those those switches wind down because how else are we going to create tension? Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, literal not by tension. having the, like, one weird clunky robot thing <laughs> that can't help her in those moments. Uh, did you see, Tara, did you see the picture that Kate sent of the actor Yes. Inside oh my God. of the, yes. <laughs> the costume. Like literally like squatted over. And I, I guess he was using his hands to move the feet, like put to pull up as like with each foot. So like that, it was interesting to see it like actually walking upstairs because I feel like they were, uh, they were really proud of the, that, that they had that thing that could walk up the stairs because it doesn't look like it should be able to. No, all. that's <laughs> Watching it, I was like, how, who is move, who is puppeteering that and how are they doing it? Like, yeah, I was so curious. I had to yeah. look it up. Yeah. Thank and you yeah, so much. We'll post Kate. a picture on our, uh, on our Twitter once the episode is out to show the folks what we're talking about because yeah, it's, it's wild. Like I can't imagine like how long that person had to, be in that position mm-hmm. for like filming because <laughs> yeah geez, hundreds of hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah tiktok has some pretty good lines here he's like i am not alive and never will be thank goodness it's like whoa <laughs> damn that's deep um i mean i feel it I, at this point i'm like oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i didn't ask for this <laughs> right just wind me down let me wind down right <laughs> yeah wind me down wake me up and like Five years. <laughs> yeah. But he wakes up and, f- like, you know, however long, and it's 100 years or whatever, and it's everything's a mess. Meanwhile, like, up until now, we've had two mentions so far of, like, this chicken and, like, how it's <laughs> that's probably my favorite line yeah, in the whole movie. Terrified of chickens <laughs> in this world. <laughs> the gnome, like, reports to the gnome king. He's like, she is here. And he's like, oh, good, very good. Bring it to me. Blah, blah, blah. I'm glad she's here. And then the gnome was like, she has a chicken with her. <laughs> it's like i love absurdity like that so uh that was probably my yeah because so yeah the, that whole thing plays out throughout the movie too because yeah the next place they go is to princess Mombi, and 
she brings up the chicken too. Yeah. Uh, she's like, ah, the chicken, I'll have fried chicken for breakfast. Like, <laughs> like, so first thoughts upon seeing Mombi, I was like, okay, this fucking outfit is a serve. So like, she hard. Is fucking serving. Like, my God. I like, love ah. that dress. I love that dress. I love that dress. And again, another one that makes a bunch of sound too. Like, yes. as she's walking, like, it's just kind of like shingles, like, shing, shing, shing. Or like knives sharpening against each other. Yeah. Whatever Ooh, it is, like it is not a pleasant sound, right? So the, I, I, I want that idea that costumes make noises to come back, right? Mm. Like, <laughs> and always the villainous costumes are so much better than everybody else's. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett yep. and Thor Ragnarok. Like, yep. oh, my God, what a look. Can, like, I would wear that every day if I could, like, get it through the door frame. <laughs> <laughs> apparently she like just hangs out and plays her lute in this dress like it's mm-hmm. just her lute playing dress so yeah <laughs> i want a lute playing dress <laughs> yeah and she has like cases of heads that she uh took from uh some dancing women who are now turned to stone and they're just lined up and i oh uh, this i remember this scene like, <laughs> <laughs> nobody forgets this scene and particularly the one that comes after um dorothy is taken up to like you know the tower so that way uh momby can wait for her head to age <laughs> to the right prettiness so that way she can take it <laughs> yep. oh yeah and uh so yeah this is where we meet jack pumpkinhead where the hell are they filming this, though? Because the downstairs room looks like the Louvre. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, all the gla- like all the mirrors. Oh, God, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. So cool. And the scene where, uh, I guess maybe I'm jumping ahead, but where um, she's stolen the powder or whatever, and she's running down the hallway, and the mirrors, and the heads, mm. and the screaming, and in the sound design there, I kid you not, is endless chicken feathers ruffling in a terrifying way. Oh. <laughs> right? It's like chicken feather audio mayhem. Oh, I haven't rewatched that. Yeah, and like the headless, you know, woman yell- running after her, yelling. It's pure gothic horror, right? Like yeah. it is straight up gothic One of Jack's line is uh, talking about TikTok in he asks, well, if his brains run down, how could he talk? And Dorothy <laughs> says, it happens to people all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, yes. Uh, yeah. What a perfect, perfect line for, <laughs> you know, just generally. <laughs> people just brains run down, but they still manage to keep talking. They're still talking. <laughs> Another thing with Dorothy is right before uh, Mombi throws her in the tower, TikTok runs out. His action runs out, and then uh, <laughs> Dorothy's like, "It can't be helped." TikTok. <laughs> she says right. that another time. She's like so zen. She's just like, She's like "It's not your fault." It's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> no need to apologize. Like it's <laughs> like yeah. She's just such a just like so precocious. Like I just I just love Dorothy in this movie. Like I feel like. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow, even though she's de-aged, she's like more mature than like Dorothy was in the first one. You mean she's not talking like, oh, golly, the whole movie? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, she opined. Yeah, we have a very, well, you know, Dorothy's seen some shit by now. She's She's hardened. She's She's got PTSD. (laughs) This world ain't got shit on me. (laughs) 
Jack Pumpkin was like made to scare Mombi somehow, he says, I guess. Like that doesn't seem to work at all. Yeah, but, no. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's weird. So this is kind of a mashing of two books, I guess. So like Marvelous World of Oz had like Mombi and name and like Jack Pumpkinhead and then like Ozma of Oz had Ozma and then like this um Princess Languidere or something who was basically Mombi who had the replaceable heads and then the land of Ev and the Wheelers and the Deadly Desert. So I don't know. It's the director and this other guy, uh Gil Dennis, who like co wrote this by somehow mashing these two books by this guy and why they came up with this story that they did is <laughs> Beyond me, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Apparently, one of the guys that co-wrote this that didn't have a a lot else on his repertoire graduated with David Lynch, so maybe he was just in a class of, like, (laughs) dark (laughs) So, who knows? Right. Anyway. Yeah, honestly, I don't, I, it might be, like, recency bias, but... I think I like this more than I would probably like The Wizard of Oz watching, like, mm-hmm. if I went back and watched it. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, I, I really, I, the tone of it, again, like, you know, as a kid was scary and, like, creepy, and it still got that. But, like, it, it is kind of, yeah, like, somewhere between, yeah, David Lynch and, uh, like, Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, like for kids. <laughs> but way darker than Tim Burton even gets, right? That it's it has this kind of grimness that all of his is, all of Tim Burton's is always kind of like whimsical. Yeah, right? yeah. It's kind of campy. Yeah. Um, I mean, this has definitely got camp. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this has definitely got plenty of camp. <laughs> plenty of camp. Like, oh, oh, my God. We got to get to. Oh, we got to oh, get okay. to. Yes. I know. Okay, I think I know where so, you're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, Dorothy, long story short, Dorothy escaped from the castle by stealing Mombi's uh, powder of life, getting a gump, which is like a weird like fantasy moose thing, <laughs> tying its head to uh, a bunch of couches with palm fronds <laughs> and sprinkling on it, and that makes it fly. So they fly to the mountain of the Gnome King, um, where they confront... Uh, they confront him at the, at the like I guess like the summit of the mountain, and I just love that. <laughs> We've come with our army of Oz, <laughs> and it's like her with like this weird moose couch yeah, thing, couch with wings, TikTok, <laughs> and Jack the pumpkin head. <laughs> yeah, with with the chicken hidden inside. Yeah, da, the da, chicken da. is the secret weapon. <laughs> secret weapon, the chicken. <laughs> I feel like this has got to be up there with like the strangest flying apparatus in any movie ever. Right. Yes. Yes. It's delightful. Absolutely delightful. I feel like in terms of like pacing, that whole section really slows down. At least as an adult, I was like, okay, uh, this could be like 10 minutes shorter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the kind of assembling a friend is kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how Belina asked when they're flying too. Like, why don't we just fly back to Kansas? It's like that's a great question, Belina. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a wise chicken on board throughout this whole. <laughs> and so we find out from the Gnome King that uh, you know the emeralds in the Emerald City were uh, taken from his mountain because um, in Oz, a mountain is a living thing. 
and so I feel like that makes uh, like the kingdom of Oz like a colonizing a empire, fucked up mining like, empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, not even like mining. Like I mean, yes, mining, but like also like the the stones are like a part of a living thing in this world that mm-hmm. they like mm-hmm. literally ripped out of it and built a city out of. So I don't think the Gnome King is like completely in the wrong here. I think hey. I mean, it's kind of like an earth reclaiming what's been stolen kind of story. Yeah. yeah. So I was kind of, because I couldn't remember how it ended. I was like, the Gnome King wins, right? <laughs> I was like, I know the Gnome King's not going to win, but. <laughs> and I don't know if it's the Gnome King so much as it is like the Gnome Butch Queen. Yes. Because, oh, <laughs> <laughs> because oh then when he meets with Dorothy and he's talking with her and it was revealed that he has the ruby slippers. He's yes. just like, and I made I made a gif of it, of oh, course, please. because how could I not? <laughs> and it's literally just like he's like, yes. He's like smoking his pipe. He's like, yes, they're very powerful. As he like looks down and like peeks them out of his like from underneath his like rock robe <laughs> and just like shimmies his little feet. And I'm just like, oh my god, yes, queen, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> You better so, work, Daddy. Work. Yes, I squealed when I rewatched it because I was like, "How do I not remember that part?" <laughs> and then it's like his whole thing is like they have to go into this room of ornaments, and they each have three guesses to figure out which one is the scarecrow to bring him back to life. And so as like Dorothy's walking in at that last one, he's just like literally like sitting in like the ruby red slippers are just like. <laughs> tinkling like twinkling yes. like at his feet like, like as she's walking in and just like mm, yes okay go ahead girl I know. yeah i don't really understand his motivations i guess because he's like the more of your friends that turn into ornaments the more human i become and it's like why do you want to be more human that's exactly what I said I'm like you're literally a fabulous mountain god in ruby slippers why would you want to be human like (laughs) the first thing is like this claymation you know thing and then by the time the Gump and Jack and TikTok have all been turned into well supposedly TikTok have been turned into things he's like this you know guy in gray face paint with all this glitter and shit all over yeah and his character design is like this weird neoclassical greek sculpture of you know smoking a pipe but with my little ruby red slippers (laughs) (laughs) like you are good the way you are right right there (laughs) just be your fabulous self yes And also, like, why, if the ruby slippers are that powerful, like, why couldn't he just, like, turn himself into a human with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems, uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of question marks. Like, Mombi comes in. It's like, beware, this girl. And he's like, yeah, I know. She's here. I'm turning her friends into ornaments. And she's like, why? And he's like, it's more fun this way. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, this witch queen likes to have a good time. Witch queen yeah. realness. <laughs> yeah, this is like, I was honestly like, okay, um, there might be something there that uh, might explain some things for me, you know? <laughs> 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 this like burly bearded man yep. with just like a little, you know, just like a little, you know, splash of like, you know, panache, mm-hmm. like, you know, just like not afraid to lean into that femininity a little bit. I was like, mm, 
okay, yep. okay. I, I, I feel like a, 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 another piece of the puzzle just kind of fell into place. I hope this is somebody's route. I really do. Like somebody, somebody uh, at the podcast and tell us that this was your route, please. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I might need, like, I want to do that for Halloween. I want to like, yes. wear, like do that costume. Oh, it's <laughs> just like great. big stone gray man with like ruby slippers. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we find out that um, TikTok has not been turned into an ornament quite yet. He stood in the middle of the room and pretended that his motion or his action had run down so that way Dorothy could come in and he, she could see what ornament he turned into to try and get a clue as to what the scarecrow might be, uh, which doesn't work because when he gets turned into an ornament, everything goes pitch black and... He's nowhere to be found. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so Dorothy has to kind of wing it. Uh, she, you know, uh, closes her eyes, or she makes her first two guesses, uh, and then on her last one, she, you know, closes her eyes and you know finds her center and just starts kind of moving over things, uh, and then she finds a giant emerald, uh, and it turns out that that's the scarecrow, uh, which makes her realize that, oh, everyone in that's in, from Oz is probably green, I guess. Sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that that's like one of those things that like, I feel like a kid would just like randomly think and then it just turns out to be right for this movie. Because <laughs> yeah, it just seems like, oh yeah, what's the one thing? Green. Cool. All right. Let's just touch green things now. <laughs> yep. So, Kate, if you had dreams about this room of ornaments, do you mm. remember what any of them were or just that this was like a place that you could live in a dream? It was definitely having to do with the green thing because, mm. you know, I've, I guess I have lots of dreams about a special object that I like get and it's amazing. And then I wake up and I don't have it. I'm like, fuck. But like, <sighs> you know, my dream definitely had to do with this ornament room and just finding a green like gem nice. and knowing that it was precious beyond precious and then like i don't know it wasn't involved but i was in that fucking ornament room for sure yeah that ornament room is crazy i think i as soon as you said it i was like i probably had dreams about that ornament room too i can't remember any of them but it does have that kind of whiff of having a lasting impact it's like the salon of looted wonders or something <laughs> yeah. right yeah. it's very kind of enlightenment era museum um, of uh, artifacts from around the world. Yeah, wherever they got all these props and objects to put in here is pretty... <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it was just like an estate sale. Just yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's a tur- like turn-of-the-century estate sale? Yoink, 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 yoink wealthy salons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so after they uh, save the Scarecrow, the Gnome King is, uh, you know, a little upset about it. Uh <laughs> And so he, I guess, is going to eat Jack Pumpkinhead. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, there's a chicken inside. <laughs> and it lays an egg for like the first time. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Because like that yeah. was like the whole thing at the beginning of the movie. It was like Belina in, back in Kansas uh, hadn't laid any eggs. Uh, and so this was her character arc coming, yes. to, <laughs> coming to its climax. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she lays an egg, uh, and, uh, it falls into the gnome king's mouth and 
Is that chicken? A chicken. Ah, chicken. Ah, <laughs> eggs are poison. Yeah, to eggs nose. are poison, apparently. <laughs> Why are eggs poisonous to rocks? <laughs> uh, I, 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 mm, no idea. That's a very good question. Yeah, I don't know. There was like a material <laughs> problem there. I was having. Yeah. I was like, mm. But I mean, why was water? You know, yeah. although I yes, guess wicked yeah, yeah. kind of retcons that. But yeah, uh, yeah. Why was water, water poison? Like you know, yeah. poisonous to the wicked witch? Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to ask this author in the you know 19th century what yeah. he was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What were you, what uh, were you so yeah, the gnome king is defeated. The scarecrow is returned to oh. his throne, and everyone wants Dorothy to stay. Can we talk about the scarecrow? <laughs> oh yeah, the weird head is. <laughs> he looks just like he does in like yeah the illustrations from the books. Uh, I don't like him at all. I mean, maybe it's just a nostalgia thing from the other Wizard of Oz. Like, you know, you get used to one thing and you don't like it to be something else. But the way that he moves is really disturbing. Yes. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. Like, again, I remember as soon as, like, the Scarecrow showed up, I was like, oh, I remember that illustration from, like, the especially the later books. But, like, the giant creepy eyes, the fact that mm. the Scarecrow's hands, I don't know if you, like, because I was really watching the Scarecrow because he was freaking me out. Um, that um, his fingers flop backwards, right? Oh. And does, and his elbows sometimes flop in the wrong direction. And so that's where it was like, oh, this is why this is Uncanny Valley. So like if Uncanny Valley, like latest researchers say that like Uncanny Valley sensation comes from like you expect something to move one way and then it doesn't match those expectations, right? And that's mm. why so much CGI is Uncanny Valley because you think a human should move in certain ways and they just don't, right? Or yeah. you think... Jabba the Hutt should slither in one way and then it doesn't. But um, like here, Scarecrow's like arms and fingers and neck are all not going in the right direction. And I was like, bleh, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> in a wonderful, wonderful way. Yes. In a way that uh, uh, was both uh, like disgust and delight at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, so uh, all the people in Oz want Dorothy to stay uh, and be queen. Um, but, you know, she's like, I've got a concussion to wake up from. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, is Oz really so great, though? It feels like the Roaring Twenties on acid or something. Like, there's this yeah. thing going. I mean, I like kind of liked it more before, to be honest. It's pretty, pretty overwhelming. Everyone's, like, in top hats, and it's just like, Ugh. Yeah, it's this kind of turn-of-the-century mess, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I do like when the chicken decides to stay and says, quote, why would I want to go back to that stupid humdrum world? I was like, thank you. (laughs) I'd rather be in Oz than 2020. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, Oz versus uh, because I mean, what are. Uh, Dorothy's prospects in 1899, going back to rural Kansas, going back to Uncle Henry and Aunt Em. Yeah. yeah, maybe you should have just stayed in yeah. and Toto. And Toto. At least she gets to play with Toto in the very last scene. But it's like, yeah, yeah you, your life is still pretty grim. And I guess she has an out because uh, uh, she can come back. You know, Ozma yeah. said, you know, and whenever you so wish it, I shall return you to Oz. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, why was Miss Wilson arrested? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's okay. That comes full circle. 
She's I a guess bad there probably person. people in the cellar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess if there actually were people in the cellar and they all died when that lightning strike hit the asylum. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, there's probably some culpability well, there. Well, I so. think don't they say that only the doctor died because he went in for his machine? So that means mm-hmm. in theory, all those oh, right. Everybody damaged survived, right? patients, all those damaged wheelers are like set loose. So who knows? Maybe Dorothy will have some fun in reality, Kansas too. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> patients God. released. Yeah, that's that's the follow up to this movie that I'd like to see. <laughs> At the end, when they're still in Oz, that she's, uh, Mombi's like in a cage who mm-hmm. is like, you know, the analog of Miss Wilson. And they're like, a witch with no magic is a miserable creature indeed. And it's like, oh man, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mombi. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe Miss Wilson without any patience is a, is a miserable sad nurse, creature. a miserable nurse indeed. Without anyone to torture. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel like there was one thing at the very end and I, someone who either knows film history better than I do or has a better musical ear than I do. I wonder if, I can't tell if this is intentional or just me making some crazy connection, but um, I watched it with the subtitles on just to like write down names and stuff like that. And so the bird that wakes her up at the end is a whooperwill. And there's this fantastical musical number called By a Waterfall, which is about a whooperwill calling you woohoo. The Busby Berkeley musical. It's the mu- musical number from a Footlight Parade where um, it's, it involves hundreds of women diving into pools. If anyone remembers that, like in mm. the Muppet Show and the Miss Piggy when she has the kind of water pool uh, water scene in one of the Muppets movies. Like that's directly from this movie. And so, oh. and the thing about By a Waterfall is that if you watch the whole the kind of scene leading into it, like the five minutes leading into the kind of fantastical set Busby Berkeley set piece, it like is all about fucking. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and you're like, and then it becomes literally hundreds of women sliding and diving and splashing. And anyway, I just didn't know. I was like, is that an intentional reference? I can't tell if like that Wolper Will is singing the song from Oh dang. Wolper Interesting. Will. Yeah. Um it's a really <clears throat> and, and if even if it's not there, like it's in that same you start in reality and you go into this fantasy world and then you come back out again. Yeah. So maybe I just thought of it because of that. It was a segue. Yes. <laughs> so can I talk about Walter Merch for a moment? Or we know where you're hitting that. Okay. So, you know, I'm watching this and from the beginning I was like, gosh, this sound is amazing. Like the, the scores really, like it's got the horns blaring, it's got the anxious violins and the sound effects are really great. Like the everywhere, right? That mm-hmm. the costumes make sound, everything makes this wonderful sound and then in post-production, it's given all these qualities. And then as soon as the la- the title was, like, directed by Walter Murch, I was like, that's why. So Walter Murch is a really probably the most famous film editor. And he basically started what in the modern era is called sound design. So he did sound design for Apocalypse Now and The Godfather. And I think he edited and did sound design for The Conversation. And so, like... All of these kind of seminal 70s, what are called film brat movies that are directed by like, uh, you know, Lucas or um, who did The Godfather? Why can't I think of his name? Not Scorsese. He's a generation later. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, Coppola or um, Lucas, right? That that was this whole generation of folks who worked together. So Walter Murch worked again and again as a film editor and a kind of 
sound designer and really created modern sound design. So that's why it's like, oh, no wonder the sound in this movie is so awesome. <laughs> right? oh, wow, yeah. No wonder. That's why. And it's one of the few movies he actually directed, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's um, the only movie he directed. Oh, is it the only? Ah. Yeah. He, this is the only movie he ever directed and he never did anything it, again because it flopped Because it was a bomb. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the box office bomb. But um, he did write a really, a book that's a really great introduction it's, I would think of it as an introduction, but to both uh, editing and sound editing, that's extremely readable and is really popular. It's called In the Blink of an Eye. And mm. um, it's kind of like a standard and like a film one-on-one course. And it's really, it's really smart and, 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 and accessible to lots of different, um, it, it is not heavy duty theory, nor is it insulting to the viewer, right? <laughs> it's not too basic and not too, too uh, jargony. So um, yeah, as soon as I saw Walter Merge, I was like, that's why I've been writing all these notes about sound throughout the movie. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, that was a pleasant, similar to um, The Witches, right? When I saw that Nick Rogue had directed that, it's like, who picked Nick Rogue to direct a children's movie? I was like, who picked the person who walked on Apocalypse Now and all the Godfather movies to direct a child's children's movie, right? Like, who's making these decisions? And I love it. I love it. Throw more Coke at the problem. I love it. Exactly. I was, yeah, I was just about to say, cocaine it was just, you yeah. know, rampant. <laughs> Everyone just thought every idea was the best yes, thing Yes, and in so. some ways I wish we had that back. <laughs> <laughs> only, only certain parts of though <laughs> you know it's weird i was looking at uh walter marsh's wikipedia and it mentioned his dad was like a sort of surrealist painter and like i'm looking at his paintings right now and a lot of them look like weird things that were in return to oz to be honest like yeah. weird devices and i don't know contraptions and things it's interesting anyway mm-hmm. yeah and again it's like this is kind of uh it's steampunk before there was steampunk in some yeah. ways of kind of taking that you know kind of early industrial revolution and kind of turning it into a design motif yeah oh, i didn't realize it's that i now i want to look at the paint they're pretty interesting i had a, i'm like about to listen to buy a waterfall <laughs> oh yeah you gotta watch the video though Oof. I yeah will. and see if you can get it's kind of hard to find and you might have to i know footlight parade is now on that's the movie it's from is on one of the streaming services now it's like the lead up to it is where you get all the sexual innu- innuendo and then they go into all the girls splashing together oh yeah yeah no i've seen it on uh it's just on youtube oh Wait. great oh good yeah so, but I've if, definitely if, seen clips of this. Yeah, if they, but you have it's like the dialogue that they have before they go into the um, <laughs> into the lady splashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, Colin, we miss Colin. This is usually mm. where Colin would give stats and talk about things. Oh yeah, yeah. Cra- I guess we can just look things up. I guess you know Google is. A thing that exists. And... I think this movie got a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. 52 on Rotten Tomatoes, 42 on Metacritic, 6.7 on IMDb. Um, so a raving 71%, success. <laughs> 71% audience score. So I think that like people may be probably revisiting it in their adulthood. Again, I can see how from a critic standpoint of evaluating this as a children's movie would be like what <laughs> <laughs> uh but like yeah again like as an adult like re-watching this uh i actually think it's really worth a revisit yes. like as if you're if you're an adult who hasn't seen this movie in a really long time or uh hasn't seen this movie at all or want to show uh, it to your I, own children and 
terrify them. Like uh, we were I mean, terrified. Maybe watch it before you show it to your own kids, but you know. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, I think that uh, it's definitely. Uh, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I was I was surprised with how much I liked it, honestly, um, because I thought I was gonna. I don't know. I was just I was expecting it to like not hold up or to be. I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe dry or mm. something like that. But uh, I really thought that uh, this movie holds up as uh, something that of its time that it still is actually like looks good. Mm-hmm. I think that the story itself is actually entertaining. Uh, I think that the, 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 the themes in the story are actually still relevant and actually really good, especially like from the perspective of, um, you know, it being a little girl. Uh, who does like again realize her agency, even if it's like in this like imaginary world? Uh, and so I, I think that there's some some good takeaways from it. Uh, and again, the whole Jim Henson of it all always mm-hmm. is always going to add a nice uh, touch of quality because, um, yeah, that whole I guess uh, production house in terms of effects was uh, just really doing like groundbreaking work at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like Tara was saying, the practical effects, the sound effects, like are top notch. Like if and if you're even just interested in stuff like that, it's worth a watch. I mean, you know, child acting is <laughs> a thing. This I think this is Faruza Boggs' first role, but I think she did a pretty good job as a nine year old. You yeah. know. It's certainly better than some of those Harry Potter kids. Oh good <laughs> lord. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like woof. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, yeah, this compared to, like, any, like, the first, like, two or three Harry Potter movies in terms yes. of, yeah, Faruza's acting ability. Acting, yes. production is, design, like, creativity, humor, <laughs> that it can read yeah. to both children and adults. This movie does it 90,000 times better across oh, the board. Yeah. yeah. It's dark. It's messed up. It's scary. It's cute. It's kind of funny. It's, like, the animatronics and, like, puppetry and, like, weird. That designs are all really cool. Yeah, and it's got that like Victorian Edwardian creepiness that I always really like because there's something so usually the you know like British Empire is seen as fan you know a positive thing and there's lots of really kind of dark elements of that in this you know the darker side of all that in this movie and it's got a butch queen so you know like come on how can we go wrong here? <laughs> oh my, oh my yes. god! So I'm looking at the like the cover for this movie. And I think that this, I think that they made the cover before, like literally anything else, like before it was cast, <laughs> the poster, you mean? Like, before yeah. it was written. Yeah. yeah, like the, yeah, like the, because it's got like the Tin Man is in it, who's the not in the movie at all until like the very end, and he's like riding on like the Gump, like oh, thing. Right, riding yeah. on like the Gump thing, and then like the the picture of Dorothy is clearly not it, that actress. <laughs> it's not for who's a bulk. Like it looks like it was drawn, like. <laughs> like it looks like the face was like drawn and like like i guess photoshop probably wasn't a thing but <laughs> yeah it's it's it definitely does not look like for who's a bulk at all wow yeah i think the marketing team <laughs> may have been part of the reason this tanked <laughs> in the box office and i, I just sent i just sent you all the gnome king uh and it's in your email thank you, you take a look at that, I'm gonna the be gift that, that i made all the time. i'll be posting i'll be looking at all the time <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess we can move on to recommendations. Do you have anything for us, Tara? Sure. Yeah. So if you like this movie, uh, I was kind of 
pulling on the lavish production design and the kind of darker elements of fantasy than David Lynch. We've already mentioned him. David Lynch's Dune uh, is certainly, uh, well, has a giant clit monster in the middle of it. So go watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I would say along the theme of Dune is... um, uh, Jurovsky's doom. So Alejandro Jurovsky's, he never actually got to make it, but it's about the, it's a documentary about trying to make a version, uh, Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal, again, Henson Productions from then. There's a TV show from the eighties. Uh, shit. I think it's called the storyteller. It had a big dog in it. Um, a big puppet dog that was kind of a Henson TV show, which I oh, haven't yeah, seen yeah, in a yeah. long time. Yeah. Um, I already mentioned Carrie, but also this kind of, uh, you know, being a, in that case, a teenage girl coming into her sexuality and, you know, the terrors of that, the De Palma version, not the remake, uh, the never ending story, right? We almost have Falcor in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I've mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention again, Svenk Meyer's version of Alice uh, that is available on most platforms now, but it really does take, like she begins in the quote unquote real world, world and then every object in her room becomes part of Wonderland in this kind of in a mishmash of like five different types of animation, but primarily stop motion animation. Alice, the live action girl turns into a doll at one point, right? Like it, it really, really um, kind of talks about enlightenment values and this kind of hyper rationality using surrealist um, techniques. And then last but not least, um, I think that rather than this being the sequel to uh, a wizard of Oz, I think that Meet Me in St. Louis is the sequel. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like the Americana bullshit turn of the century. But also, that movie is also super, super dark. There's a way to read that, which is kind of the most depressing movie you'll ever see. (laughs) Because Vincent Minnelli, uh, what's her face? What's Dorothy's name? Uh, Judy Garland's then-husband directed her in that. And he, all of his films have kind of a dark cast to them. So maybe, maybe Meet Me in St. Louis is a better sequel. Good stuff. That's what I got. Kate, do you have any recommendations for us? Um, I was just kind of thinking of, like, I had some similar ones. Just movies where, you know, you start out in the real world and then you are not in the real world anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Never Ending Story. I think Time Bandits kind of counts. Oh, or, yep. like, at least it ends there. Yep. I was also thinking of The Dark Crystal just because it's dark and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> messed up and scary in the same vein. And also, I don't know if anyone, if you all already mentioned the show, but the new Dark Crystal I thought was actually really well done and really good. Oh, I haven't, oh, oh, I haven't, I haven't watched one. it. I was Age worried that it would be bad. I don't know. I thought it was really good. Nice. nice. Oh, I, that's a great recommendation. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I have uh, a couple that are, and again, again uh, you know, uh, in the vein. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm sure Tara knows about this. You probably know about this too, Kate. Um, but uh, there is a genre of anime called isekai. And it is essentially a fish out of water and most often is about a main character or a set of characters who are transported to a different world. Mm. Um, I didn't realize so, it had its own name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It literally um, means like... Not quite. It means different world. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Wizard of Oz, I guess, could technically be considered the first isekai. Mm, (laughs) Nice. Oh, there you go. Someone write your PhD on that. Uh, (laughs) Get a credit, Craig. So some recommendations that I would have would be, um, you know, Spirited Away, Digimon, like the original Digimon series. Uh, What's Inuyasha is another good one. Yeah, these are all kind of like anime where the characters are 
transported to a different world. Um, and yeah, uh, adventure ensues. Yes. <laughs> and, and depending upon how you read Totoro, that could technically, uh, we could do a whole, have, have, has the podcast done Totoro yet? I don't think we have. Okay. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, that's actually a really good, um, like not one to one necessarily, yeah. but a really good comparison of, you know, what is imagination? What is actually happening? Yep. Uh, you know, is it that these children are actually just seeing something that you know you lose as you get older, and like kind of like you lose your innocence and your sense of play and you know, childhood wonder? Yeah. Or is this all just in their imagination? So yeah, I guess yeah. I was talking about Pan's Labyrinth earlier, but like. Also, it was sort of a along the same vein. There's like a guide in the fawn that leads her. Sort oh of yeah, the other that's world. totally right. Um, yeah. And then there's like <laughs> a movie that also has like lots of weird effects and like dreamy sort of parts that just kind of stick in your brain. I would probably say the Adventures of Baron von Munchausen. Yes, like just wacky <laughs> too, super wacky. Yes, Terry Gilliam. Yeah, has a lot of that uh, really elaborate set design and stuff too. Yes. Oh, that's it. We haven't done that. I haven't seen that movie. That movie lost its funding halfway through, so it just kind yeah. of ends <laughs> yep. in this <laughs> way. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Oh, that's a great... Because uh, Did he also direct Time Bandits? Who directed Time Bandits? Yeah, yeah. That was Terry yeah. Gilliam, too. Yeah, yeah. So going into the other world and coming back out. Yeah, I remember, speaking of that, like I guess I'm okay with the reading that it, it's ambiguous whether or not she dreamt it all up. Um, I remember when um, uh, Calvin and Hobbes was ending, uh, that comic strip was ending. There was this mm -hmm. rumor going around that this was kind of like pre-internet rumors, but there's this rumor going around that it was going to end that at one point Calvin looks over at Hobbes and Hobbes is just a stuffed animal. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, imagination <laughs> does not die. Do not end this way. <laughs> like, just oh because you become an adult, you can still imagine. Like, no. And I would have cried. I thought you were going to say something like, uh, you know, like Calvin wakes up, you know, from a coma. Oh, right. Like <laughs> it's all in a dream. <laughs> Luckily, the strip does not end that way. But I, was, oh, I remember I was like furious and like almost in tears. Like, no, we can't end this way. Adulthood does not mean losing your imagination <laughs> <laughs> oh well all right thank you for those recommendations uh thank you all for listening um, Kate, thank you for joining yeah. us thank you so thank much. you for having me this is fun and colin we miss you we miss you colin yes. <laughs> um kate are you like taking any like you know sort of like commissions for things like editing or like if people need music for their podcast, is that something that you're taking commissions for? That is something that I'm taking commissions for, Craig. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you need some quick and dirty editing work done on your podcast, you need some, you know, EQing or sound crud taken out, or you just want to take all of the likes, ums, and... But and like vocal fry out of a recording, <laughs> I work on a sliding scale. If you are interested in hitting me up for any editing work, you can email me at soundbs4u at gmail.com. Awesome sauce. Um, is there anywhere else that you would like to be found? You can find Churchfire on Instagram at churchfire666. Nice. Um, and <laughs> my solo project is also on there, Mirror Fears, M-I-R-R-O-R-F-E-A-R-S on Instagram. It's probably the best place to find us. 
Right on. Um, yeah, you can find our podcast at IWITWT on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on our website at IWITWT.com. You can find me individually at Catharticus. Um, you can leave me alone. Exactly. Don't talk to me on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. So yeah, thank you all for listening. Thanks again, Kate, for joining us and being the awesome person that you thank are. You, thank Kate. you. Oh, and thank you. I'm so glad we got to watch this. It was a little bit of joy in what else is a bleak, grim 1899 Kansas. Kansas. Yay. We're out. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Bye.